Hello, everyone. Um, good to see you guys. And like Nathan earlier said, uh, if you're visiting from Madison, uh, we welcome you uh, with open arms. Thanks for visiting our church. And I uh, heard uh, you guys did a Tough mutter or something this weekend. Hope that was fun, too. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I'm missing somebody. Um, if you're just visiting our church right now, other than uh, our visitors from Madison, we also welcome you as well. Um, hard to tell, obviously, but, uh, but all in all, I'm just thankful always that we can worship our God together uh, and uh, sit under God's word together. So the text is found in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. Um, just keep your heads up. Lord willing, this will be the second to last sermon in the series of the book of Philippians. Again, Philippians 4, 10 through 13. It says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You're indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's the word of the Lord. Uh, let's bow our hands, hands together and let's pray before we uh, delve into the word of God. Heavenly Father, we uh, bow before you. You are a God who created the whole universe. You are a God who, with your word, fashioned each one of our hearts and our bodies. And we owe everything to you. And we... When we fell away from you in our sins, you sent your son in love to die in our place. So now we are able to come before you and approach your throne of grace. And the throne that is so willing to feed us with your word. So that, that's where we are, Lord. May you open up all of our hearts right now so we can be attentive to your word and be transformed by your powerful word. And please strengthen me as I deliver your word. Um, may you fill my heart with your spirit so that all the words that I'll be speaking will be aligning with your word. Help me and help all of us together. Thank you for your grace, even during this time. Praise Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you haven't met, my name is Aiden, a pastor of Covenant Life Church. Uh, so today's passage is probably one of the most well-known and popular passages in the whole Bible, especially verse 13. And I remember using this verse uh, when I was into working out in my college days. And I just go like, oh, God, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I did that, and uh, didn't really work, as you can see. Um, I also used this verse when I 
I was taking like important exams such as SATs. Um, and we also know that a lot of celebrities and athletes use this verse. Uh, I think the, the NBA star Steph Curry etched this verse in, onto you know, his signature shoes, I believe. So to be sure, you know, it's good to use Bible verses like this in daily lives. And I really respect especially you know, the celebrities using the Bible on their platforms. Uh, but we have to make sure, we have to be careful not to um, use Bible verses out of context. Because if you look at the story of Jesus getting tempted by the devil in Matthew 4, uh, the devil used scriptures to tempt Jesus, and, and he used the verses out of context. And of course, I'm not trying to call anybody a devil, uh, but it is important that we make sure we strive to uh, get our verses in context and with the right meaning. So I invite all of us as we go into this, this passage together, um, may we get the meaning right and there will be power as we get the meaning right and apply that into our lives. So that's, uh, that's the task before us and uh, let's go into it together. Uh, three points as usual. First, the definition of contentment. Second, the process of contentment. And the third, uh, the engine of contentment. The title of the passage or the sermon is, by the way, the secret of contentment. We're going to be talking about contentment. That's why the word is getting repeated here so far. So first, the definition of contentment. Verse 10, Paul says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So according to, we're going to jump forward a little bit. After this passage in chapter 4, verse 18, we see that the Philippian Christians apparently sent a monetary gift to Paul to support his personal well-being as well as his ministry. And in response, in this passage, in this verse, uh, Paul is rejoicing greatly, meaning that uh, right now he's currently in Roman prison, awaiting a trial that might put him to death. And he's just so happy that the Philippian friends didn't forget about him. But they care so deeply about him that they collected money for him. I think here, Paul is demonstrating that it is right for Christians to express our joy and gratitude when we receive you know, material gifts. That's, that's commended in the Bible. But here the problem is that some people might read this and think that Paul is money hungry, that he is easily pleased by gifts, uh, that they might even accuse him of doing ministry for material gain. So for the remainder of our passage today, uh, Paul will be making a disclaimer about this. So we read immediately in verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. You get that, right? He's saying, hey, I'm not saying. I'm you know, indirectly even trying to persuade you to give me more money. I'm not saying that. Actually, I don't have to. Why? He says in the remainder of the verse. For, because... I have learned in whatever situation I am 
to be content. Uh, there, the word content is a key word. It's actually a technical term from Greek philosophy. Uh, you don't, we don't have to go deeper into that, but it's from Stoicism. Uh, it basically means that you are not moved by external circumstances. That's what it basically means. And Paul explains further in verse 12, first half, he says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. So Paul is saying, I know how to handle being brought low, perhaps because of financial troubles and etc. And he also knows how to handle riches, abounding resources. Because in these contrasting situations, as well as anywhere in between, Paul knows how to stand his ground and not be swayed by these circumstances. Again, that's contentment. And now, uh, I have to clarify, because when you hear the word stoic, you just think of people who are emotionless. Uh, but here, we're not saying that these situations do not affect Paul at all and his emotion. Because, like we saw earlier, he's rejoicing greatly for this material gift that he received from the Philippians. And also, early in the, earlier in the book, we saw Paul having sorrow for his sick friend. So there is emotion. But what contentment really means in the biblical context is that in the midst of mixed emotions, um, you choose to find your lasting happiness and joy and satisfaction in something or someone other than the circumstances. That's what, again, contentment means. You know, in the ancient days, uh, people used to go to a movie theater to watch movies. Yeah, right? So maybe nobody will remember that, but if you know how that goes, for the first 15 minutes or so, what happens before the movie starts? There's commercials and ads, right? And some ads are interesting, and some ads can be pretty terrible, right? And it would be ridiculous if you uh, leave the movie theater after the, the commercial time uh, because either the ads are terrible, so you're just like, oh man, I can't take this to just leave the theater, or you just love the ads and you're like, oh man, I'm already entertained. I can just leave and go home. I don't need to stay for the whole movie. That's ridiculous because you are there to watch the whole, the actual movie, not the ads. I think here Paul is saying that the external circumstances are the ads in the theater. You know, some circumstances can be terrible and miserable. And some, you know, situations can be interesting. But for Paul, he can sit through all those situations because his real contentment and his real delight is in something or someone other than those situations. And later he will identify, of course, that someone to be Jesus Christ. And going back to his reasoning in verse 10, because his contentment is in this otherworldly being, he doesn't need to obsess over money or anything. So he's definitely not begging for money from uh, the Philippians. 
he is content. And that's the definition of contentment. Second, the process of contentment. So second half verse 12, he says this, In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. There, he uses interesting words there, right? He says, he learned the secret. What then, and also, uh, back in verse 11 that we read, Paul also said that he learned to be content. So I think he's emphasizing the fact that being content was not natural for Paul. It was like an unknown secret or mystery to the apostle. Therefore, he had to learn, he had to grow, he had to work hard to be content over time. And I think when you think about it, it can be both encouraging and you know, humbling. Encouraging because you know, even the greatest apostle like Paul had to learn this. So perhaps there's hope for all of us. But it's also humbling because this means that we have to admit that we don't have this naturally. So it requires us to judge ourselves soberly and humbly try to learn. Encouraging and also humbling, learning to be content. Uh, last week, I was meeting with uh, my former professor from seminary on Zoom. And he was my preaching professor uh, who had since retired. And you know, I wanted to meet with him just to ask him for advice so I can you know, preach better and, and serve you better our church. And he gave me a lot of good advices. Uh, and, but one thing that he said really stood out to me and encouraged me. He said, you know, Aiden, we all need to grow, not just you. I need to grow. So we're in this together. He said that at the end. But think about it. Think with me here. Here was someone that had been preaching for years. In fact, he has been teaching about preaching for years, and he's written books about it. But after all these years of doing this, he still felt a need to learn and grow. You see, in order to be the people and persons that God wants us to be, we first have to be humble all of our lives. You know, we must look at ourselves as always being in need of changing and growing. You know, if we, once we start thinking that we're good enough and we've arrived, we're going to stop growing and there will be no change. Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. I think the Bible can be a little insensitive there. What it's saying is that a humble heart would welcome reproof, feedback, and correction because it will help him or her grow to be more like Christ. And Paul had that kind of heart, and he became progressively content in his life, and so should we. And now, from this learning perspective, learning attitude, 
now everything looks different in our lives. All the situations look different. What do I mean by that? Again, go back to verse 12. Paul is saying that he learned the secret of being content in and through the contrasting situations. Meaning that the, the different circumstances he has lived through were not meaningless. They were not purposeless. Rather, he's saying as if these were his training grounds. These were arenas where Paul really learned to grow to be content. Training grounds are our lives, different situations. Quick question. How many of you have watched the original Karate Kid? Okay. All right. Good, good. All right. How many of you has no idea what this movie is? Okay. All right. That's, that's fine. That's fine. So, um, just, just so you know, uh, if you don't know what this movie is about, it's about a, a weakling teenager named Daniel San. Uh, meeting a rather eccentric karate master uh, named Mr. Miyagi and, and start training and obtaining this karate skills and he eventually defeats his you know, bullies and enemies. But the, the training process, process is a little uh, strange if you remember the movie. Mr. Miyagi would invite Daniel to his place and order him to you know, wax his cars, from which, you know, we get the famous phrase, you know, wax on and wax off, right? And he'll also order him to uh, sand the wooden floor, and he'll also order him to paint the fence, right? These are all, you know, menial tasks, and, you know, Daniel, at first, he agrees and, you know, he does it, but at some point, he blows up, and he accuses Mr. Miyagi of being or treating him like a personal slave. But right then, Mr. Miyagi tells Daniel to perform in front of him, you know, all these motions that he had to use to do, you know, waxing and, you know, sanding and painting, right? Because it turns out that all those motions were the, the signature karate moves, right? And, and when Mr. Miyagi spars with, you know, Daniel, you know, wax on, wax off, you know, set the floor, and then paint, paint the fence, paint the fence. So it's like all defensive moves in karate, I guess. Um, and, and eventually, Daniel uses these very moves to defeat his enemies. It's very dramatic at the end. Similarly, I'm trying to say that all the menial and mundane situations of our lives are actually the training grounds for us to be, be and to learn contentment. Uh, in in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. What that means is, what God wants most for us is not comfortable life. His goal for each one of our lives is sanctification. In other words, in today's passage, to be content like Paul and, and Jesus, ultimately. And if that's truly God's goal for us, and if He really loves us and He's sovereign and He's good to us, you know, He will not 
really make our lives that easy, right? He would throw in different situations, again, for our good. Like, for example, there will be times of being brought low, like Paul said, such as maybe for some of us, relational problems, financial problems, and some hiccups in our career path. Or maybe for some of us, there can be some tempting times when we do get what we want, but we have to learn not to indulge in these transient things, such as, you know, let's say you get into a school that you dreamed of, you know, you got your ideal job, or you got into a romantic relationship that you've been longing for, etc. And there can be, you know, all insignificant situations all in between. What Paul is saying is that all, all the wax on and wax off, so to speak, that we can glean from these mundane situations will make us strong and stand strong, stand firm, so that we can be content and strong people against all different situations. So any situations that we go through are training grounds, and Paul wants us to humbly learn contentment in our lives. So process of contentment. And lastly, the engine of contentment. Now Paul will finally give us the key ingredient to becoming content. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And let's get this meaning right, this famous text. What is it saying? That the words all things there is not everything that we get our hands on. That's not what Paul is saying. In context, the words refer to all the different situations, good and bad, that Paul has just listed in the previous verses. So Paul is saying so far that he can do, he's able to be content and not be moved, swayed by all these circumstances of his life. And now the question is, how does this work? And he says, through him who strengthens me. And literally in Greek, it, it actually reads like this. It says, in him who strengthens me. And in the New Testament, uh, Paul uses uh, in Christ and in him, the phrases to describe a unique relationship between believers and Christ, uh, so-called union with Christ. And the union with Christ can signify these three things. Please follow with me. These, these are gold if we get it. First, this means that your identity and security are now bound up with Christ. That Christ died and rose again for you, and now he lives in you, and has covered you with his perfect righteousness, perfect record. You don't have to strive anymore. He already got it for you. So no matter what you go through in life, no matter what failure and success you commit, you are covered. That his faith, God's favor and love will never depart from you, regardless of your performance. You are totally secure just because Christ now lives in you and united with you. He's your identity. Second, union with Christ means that there's now intimacy between you and God. In Christ, God is no longer an angry, impartial uh, or he's impartial, but no longer an angry, impersonal judge or genie in a bottle. 
Rather, he is a father with whom you can have a personal relationship. You can approach him now and cry out to him at any time and he will listen and answer according to his purposes and for your good. And third and last, in Christ, you now have power. The resurrected Christ is in you now. What that means is that you have that very power that raised Jesus from the dead to help you in your endeavor to live for God. That's the reality. And if you really believe in your heart, now you can truly stay content in any situation. What do I mean by that? First, you know, during hard times, believers can remind themselves of you know, their identity and security in Christ that you know, they're not abandoned by this you know, ter- terrible situation that they're in, but they're instead known, loved, and valued, that you are content with Christ in you, and you don't need anything else in life. You are content. He's all you need. And also, in Christ, you, know, you, you cry out to God. And, and we saw a few weeks ago that when you cry out in anxiety, God's peace will surround you and guard your heart from further attacks. He will protect you. And, and also, lastly, in the midst of all this, you know, Christ will provide power, you know, not necessarily to you know, get you out of the trouble, but He will get you through the troubles and even help you learn contentment in Christ. That's how you can get through hard times. And even good times too, different situations where you, know, the, you remind yourself that only Christ can give you the true satisfaction and contentment and lasting joy and no other earthly things can do. So while you do enjoy, like Paul did, you know, he enjoyed the gift from Philippians, but you do enjoy for sure, but ultimately you look to Christ and you savor Him, treasure Him, and taste and see that He is the ultimate good in your life. Therefore, you, know, you stay content in Christ alone and do not be deceived by the worldly pleasures to be your identity. So in Christ, if you have this identity in Christ, you know, you can stay content in any situation. That's how believers go through different situations and stay content. Um, let me just share this with you. Um, uh, I think almost two months ago now, uh, you know, our church went through a very challenging time and now you know, we're striving to heal, you know, slowly but surely. And as many of you know, uh, when all that was happening, I was actually in the East Coast, um, you know, visiting my wife's families. And around the time, uh, kind of incidentally, my wife and I had discovered this song called uh, He's Always Been Faithful uh, by Sarah Groves. How many know that song? It's a gorgeous song. Uh, you can check it out later, but uh, it's a song based on the hymn Greatest Thy, Thy Faithfulness, the, the hymn, famous hymn that we will actually sing after this. 
And I, I debate about whether I should sing this song to you or not. Uh, I will do it. Just so you can kind of like get the sense of where I'm coming from this story. This will be the first and last time I'll do this when I preach. Okay, here we go. Morning by morning, I wake up to find the power and comfort of God's hand in mine. Season by season, I watch Him amazed in awe of the mystery of His perfect ways. All I have need of, His hand will provide. He's always been faithful to me. That's how it goes. And um, that wasn't the point. Let me, let me uh, keep going here. So, so this song just got stuck in our heads, you know, me and my wife and and we're just, I mean, it's a good song, and we just love the song melody and the words. And, uh, and we ended up actually doing the, the trip, we ended up singing the song to one another, like really, like literally, like almost like every time we had a chance. And also we found out that our 19-month-old son, he loves the song too. So whenever he like gets fussy and, you know, we have to calm him down, we just sing the song and it worked like a charm. So we just sang this song like almost all throughout the trip. Um, and I think, just imagine, since we are singing this song so much, I think the words became like part of us. You know, we're just like we're literally meditating the truth of this song of how God provides, He's always with us and all of this. And then, you know, in the midst of that, I started getting messages from, you know, people informing me of what was happening in the church. And, um, and you know, as you know, like we, uh, that following Sunday, we had a Zoom service and members meeting and we had to deal with the problem in the church. And during that time, uh, I still remember, and especially after the, the whole service and members meeting, and um, as I was preparing myself to come back to Minnesota, I think the, the words of this song, the truth of this song, really became my song from God. That, that God was, uh, you know, grabbing my heart uh, to tell me what he wants me to hear. That is, that he's with me and that, you know, he will take care of me and CLC. Um, and I just kept imagining myself having God like a pillow, like literally touching my skin so I will not fall. And God kept telling me in my heart, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I had this just irrational peace in my heart through that time. And I can tell you genuinely right now, even now, I feel that peace. Of course, there are ups and downs. I get stressed out here and there. But I genuinely have this peace in my heart. And it's not from the song. I mean, we, we stopped singing, singing that song. We probably got sick of it or something. But now it's from God's word daily. 
the other day, let me share with you. Um, the other day, I was doing a quiet time on Psalm 35 and the verse 27. It, it says this. The Lord be exalted. The Lord who delights in the well-being of his servant. The Lord who delights in the well-being of his servant. It's like getting to my heart. Like God is happy to see me do well. God is taking care of me. God is present with me. Again, God keep telling me, it's going to be okay. It's up to God. He's got this. It's going to be okay. I'm sharing this with you because when, not if, when each one of us go through hard times in life, the only thing that can get you through those times is your personal relationship with Christ. The only thing that keeps you content and stay afloat and stay sane even. So I just want to bless you that you continue to walk with Christ through mountaintops and valleys and learn humbly to be content. Do not be deceived by the worldly things. Do not be so disheartened by tough situations. Keep your eyes on Christ. He is faithful to empower you. Let's pray together. I don't know about you, but I love it. Whenever I see that the Bible is so real. Um, we're not just reading a book on doctrines and it's all head knowledge and it just makes you smart and you know make you look um, better than other people but to me the passage that we just studied is a good example that the Bible is so real it acknowledges and even um, encourages us to live a real life and that real life is filled with many ups and downs I don't know maybe some of you have gone through some things that are just so heart-wrenching maybe some of you have gone through things that like when you're thinking about it just that makes you feel dizzy And, and God, because He knows better, He knows what's best for us, that He wants us to be like His Son, experience the tender love of His Son, instead of being intoxicated by the pleasures of this world. Good things, for sure but being intoxicated and um, losing sense about what's best for our lives. So God gives us hard times. God makes us go through the shadow 
of valley of death. But God promises that He will be with us, that He will help us grow to be more content, to be more in love with Jesus Christ. So could we just search our hearts right now before we end with the song? Just asking ourselves, is God enough? Is Christ enough for me? And it's, it's okay if you answer the question no. And truthfully, for all of us, the answer is no. But again, Paul is saying we learn, we grow, and God is here to empower us. So, could we just sense God's presence here? as we wrestle with this passage and with our hearts and be comforted by His presence. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Uh, but before I close in prayer, I just want to invite us to um, just lift up our hearts right now and give thanks to God. He is so good to each one of us. There are many, many blessings that we can count when our hearts might be inclined to um, going straight to the negative, hard things that can lead us to uh, grumbling and um, you know, ungratitude. Let's just give thanks to God. God, you're so good to me, morning by morning, season by season. You're a constant. You're so good. And as you do that, be honest with Him too. For those of you who might be struggling right now with whatever situation, God, I want to trust that You are good, but this is so hard. Help me to know Your presence, that You would get me through this situation to become more like Christ, to become more content to be more love, in, more in love with Jesus through this opportunity. Let's pray that and uh, let me close for us afterwards. Heavenly Father, um, you are our Father in Christ, um, that you love us with the fatherly love. <clears throat> love that cannot be drowned by ocean. Love that is steadfast. Love that goes beyond just giving us candies and sweets. Love that wants us to see deeper depth of your love for us. So we look to you, Lord. Without you, how can we go on? But you are with us. Help us to rely on you every single step of the way and get to see your faithfulness and goodness to us in every season. And for those of us who are struggling and who are in the depth of those tough situations, may you sustain them. May you remind them of your sustaining grace. May you surround them with people who can 
encourage them to keep going in Christ. But may all of us look to you and look to your word and find strength in any and every season. But thank you, Lord, that you never let go of us. That we can look to you and trust you for anything and everything. Thank you, Lord.